0: Hello and welcome to Leadership Behaviours Unpacked. I'm recording this on one of the last days of August and I really hope that you've all had an amazing summer. I'm kicking off the new school year, which actually always feels like the real new year to me. I guess that's a hard habit to kick. And I'm kicking it off this month with a focus on a topic that is very close to my own heart as a woman in her 50s. But it's also a topic that touches all of us at some point, directly or indirectly. And is actually also a real business issue right now. So during September, I'm going to be exploring the topic of menopause and why it's a business issue, not just a women's issue. So for the first 40 years of my own life, menopause was something that happened to other women. It was something I'd never really thought about in any depth whatsoever even though I was working in the fields of leadership and talent and we'll explore a bit more about why that's a disconnect a little bit later but I'm ashamed to say that my awareness rose through my own experiences and the experiences of friends and colleagues close to me and that's something that we'll talk about as well and is one of the main reasons for this work. But in recent years, I've really started to take note and realize that for many women, arguably at their most valuable time, whether that's in business, um, in the arts and across society, they feel they have no option but to opt out. And they feel this because of the symptoms they experience and the fact that their workplace doesn't recognize or doesn't flex to accommodate this. The fact that they feel they have no choice but to take that route really bothers me. And through a number of conversations about this, I came across the work of my guest today, Nicola Green. Nicola will talk a bit in a second about how she came to her current career as a menopause consultant. And in that role, she acts as an advisor and coach, focusing on educating and empowering individuals and employers with practical workshops, with advice and support about the menopause. And she'll share with you her own journey and what took her to what would have been quite an unexpected career change at the stage in her life that she made that decision. So it's with great pleasure that I would like to welcome Nicola Green to the podcast today. So, Nicola, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really thrilled. And I think I was thinking about when we first met. And I think if I think back more and more recently, I've heard women, so friends through work, talking about the issues that they're facing, either coming up through perimenopause or in the menopause. And they talk all the time about the impact that's having on their life and their work. And it really has dawned on me as well that so many of them are talking about having to make changes to the way they work, feeling that they have to make a choice to leave work or maybe not even feeling they have a choice but to leave work. And it was in one of these conversations, so actually with the lovely, lovely Helen Lacey that we both know, who she introduced me to you and the work that you've been doing. And so I'm really thrilled that you know you've agreed to come on here today and to talk about The work that you've been doing in this area. Uh, So I wonder if we can kick off with you talking about what you do and why you started this business at all.
1: Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Jane. And thank you so much for asking me to chat to you today it's amazing so so first of all why do I do what I do and how did I even come about doing it so I'll just give you a little bit of background my career was always in law so I was always in residential property in law um, as an operations manager however from the age of 32 I would say that I'd started to deal with a premature menopause myself so that was unknown for many many years Mm. And a really difficult journey at times, particularly because it was unknown and and not diagnosed. And at that time, I was also, as you can appreciate, bringing up a young family, holding down a career, and potentially dealing with something that I really didn't understand. Now, that had a huge impact on me as an individual, at work, at home, and so on. However, I'd say by the age of 38, I worked out what was what was going on and I was therefore medicated in the right way to to support me. Mm. That allowed me to see very clearly, which I describe as the probably the first time in a very many, many years of my life, and it allowed me to rebuild myself as a person. Within that I took a lot of time reflecting on what made me happy, what was positive in my life and some things that maybe needed tweaking and one of those tweaks as I would not probably more than a tweak was my career yeah. I decided you know I'd been in law for 20 years and I needed to really just decide is there something else out there in the world for me what else can I do and I decided to leave my job and go and see now within that time I had enrolled on an HR course a lot of my work involved dealing with a lot of HR issues and I enjoyed making people's working days better that was mainly what I tried yeah. to try to do and how I managed the people I work with and so I'd enrolled on the HR course thinking I'm going to go into some form of HR role However, within a few weeks of that course, the uh, CIPD was sending through information about menopause in the workplace, and I was reading the literature and thinking to myself, oh my goodness, this is still such a taboo which they were working on, and I've been there, I've done it, I've lived through it, worked through it, and I want to try and see if I can do something about this. So you can imagine the conversation I had with my husband one night when I said, (laughs) oh, I think I know what I want my new career to be. And um, his response was, it was a, really? And the answer was yes. I, you know, I want to go into the workplace. I want to train. I want to provide presentations. I want to provide an understanding about this topic. I I don't want it to be taboo. There's so many amazing women in work um, that should be staying within those positions yeah. because I'd experienced many women um, who felt maybe, uh, that they needed to demote themselves or leave their jobs because of menopause. Mm. So that's how I started out. I created a business, I marketed it, I ran with it, and I had the most amazing response and the most amazing feedback to the work I was doing within the workplace. There was literally, I try to describe it as some huge form of empowerment with the audience, of, oh, my goodness, this is a topic some of them had never discussed before, never even considered that maybe what I was describing was them but had been wondering what on earth was happening to them. Some who were in very, very dark places and actually listening to my presentation made them go and seek help And, you know, just this general feeling of what an amazing organisation we now work for who are saying, look what we're providing for you. We understand that menopause needs to be understood and supported in the workplace.
0: Yeah. And that's huge, isn't it? Because I think until really the last probably couple of months when, you know, we've met and I've started to talk to more women, Within work, about the impact within their work and and we'll talk in a minute about why this is actually a business issue, not a women's issue. And I think, you know, growing up, I know I didn't really have an awareness you you always know, don't you? There's this thing in your future called menopause, but actually you you, you kind of don't really know what it is. I didn't really understand. I remember being very quick to to want to get rid of every symptom I started to get because I knew that I did not want to be and I couldn't see how it was acceptable to be the woman in the corner, boiling hot, wafting around her papers to try and make it. And actually, it's tough enough to be a woman in the workplace in a, particularly if you're in a very male-dominated career without that. So you, you don't, you never talk about it at work. You might talk about it with your mates when you go for a run or do something else. So, I think, you know, what you say is so important to be able to have that conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's literally having the conversation, feeling able to be able to have that conversation in the workplace. And and if you want to have that conversation, it being supported. So yeah. not being judged Feeling that you could raise and raise an issue. I say raise an issue, not even really raise an issue. Just mm-hmm. maybe say how you're feeling, or maybe you just need yeah. a little tweak within your working day to support you. And I can't tell you the change in women who are able to have those open conversations. The weight literally gets lifted from their shoulders. And it's a conversation that is often all they're asking for. Of-
0: so when, when you're in there and you're in a corporate environment, what kind of things are they bringing to those conversations? What is making life really tough for them?
1: Okay. Now, often what I find is what's making it tough for them is either their lack of knowledge OK, so yeah. the lack of education that we all seem to have yeah. on this topic, like you just mentioned. I mean,
0: yeah, we don't know what's happening to We don't us. know what's happening. I was taught about no, puberty. I,
1: I was taught about reproduction. I was taught once I got pregnant, I was guided by my midwives and my house visitors. Yeah, And then this came along and there's nothing. You
0: know, I knew yeah. nothing. I knew I might get a hot flush. Yeah, I knew I might get I a hot flush.
1: Else. And I believe that my period nothing just else. stopped. Um, just like that. I, I thought they just stop like, like that. <laughs> I didn't know anything. <laughs> Whereas for me, as an example, my periods didn't stop for six years of all my symptoms. So you can imagine each conversation with my GP was having period stopped. My answer was always no. Um, so I re- I was never what was expected. Yeah. Um, and obviously at a much, much younger age uh, for me. Yeah. So um, going back to workplace, it is more about the... Just being listened to is what I would say and, you know, feeling supported and so on.
0: And we've talked about this before and and I've kind of alluded to it a little bit about, you know, people, I guess there will be people listening, um, both men and women who might think, why are you covering this? Because actually this is a women's issue and we didn't think your podcast was about just women, but this is a woman's issue. So why is this a business issue? Yeah so
1: first of all for me it's definitely not just a women's issue Absolutely. it definitely is an issue for all ages and genders and as you know Jane my first kind of presentation that I put out in the workplace is for all ages and genders because I believe that at some point in life we will all be impacted by this in some way shape or form you know it doesn't it impacts directly the, the person going through it but There is a huge knock on impact to those closest to her workplace or home, and so on. Mm -hmm. And a business issue let's just talk and think about sick leave for starters. There is a huge amount of unknown sick leave due to menopausal symptoms. Now, again, different organisations for different reasons some because women will be suffering so badly with symptoms that they literally will not be able to get into work but when they call in sick they won't be saying why that is unless they've got a culture whereby they feel that they could it's always you know I've got a stomach bug or I've got something else so there's a huge amount of cost in sick leave there's also a huge amount of cost in staff turnover the amount of women I have met who have either demoted themselves for starters or the majority just literally quit and I Mm. mean quit potentially with nothing else to go to because they felt that they could no longer some of them feel that they personally can no longer perform as well as they used to and when that doubt comes in yeah. It escalates in their own mind. Now, yeah. I've also seen the flip of that, whereby that individual felt that they couldn't do the job as well as they used to, but no one else had noticed that there was any different. Okay. So it's that individual's perception of themselves yeah. in the end, and, you know, and that's yeah. a really difficult place to be. So some of them will quit because of that. Others will explain to me that they have quit because... They knew that at some point in the very near future they were going to break down in a board meeting and yeah. they felt that they could never walk back in there again. Um, yeah. You know, but I'd go on to say: a business issue, all business, as in, it doesn't matter if you are necessarily a lady in a high status position in an organization. This isn't gonna pick necessarily just your status of position, this could be anyone who will suffer and will really, really struggle to continue in work. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's a really, really interesting point, Nicola, because in many ways, whilst the cost to the business in terms of the financial cost, the knowledge cost, etc., of somebody in a senior leadership position leaving is high, This, they actually, in many ways, women in those situations do have more access to support. Yes, they've got a lot to lose, but actually the chances are they will have the financial resources to be able to go, I'm going to go and see a private menopause clinician. I'm going to go and see a therapist. I'm going to, so they'll have that opportunity. But I guess it's interesting that when you talk about the staff turnover, and actually people who don't have access to that, who maybe are struggling on longer and longer and just thinking, I, I can't do it. And they're dropping out of the workforce, as you said, at a time when they are going to be some of the most highly skilled Absolutely. women. Yeah, they are, and the highest. Yeah, they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I used the word woman. Then they, yeah, they are going to be some of the most highly skilled people in the workforce at that age. Yeah,
1: worked in the organisation for many, many years, potentially a huge amount of expertise, and you know, and through no fault of their own, do they feel that they they just can't do it any longer. Yeah, and it's 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 personally destroying to them. To have to make that decision and you know as you know as well jane i'm very much aware around raising awareness not just what we perceive to be the age of menopause or women in work yeah. as well that the younger you know i was 32 when my journey started yeah. with this and the younger ages and and i think one of the other biggest probably things to mention within the workplace as well is that there's no one size fits all so no. there isn't, you could have managers managing women who believe they understand what menopause is, maybe they've been through it themselves, maybe it was difficult, maybe it wasn't difficult at all. There's also that percentage of women um, managing some who are struggling horrendously. Yeah. And it's about that understanding in workplace.
0: It's interesting because I think the other thing that we, we've we've talked about before is, you know, why this isn't just a women's issue and that education of everybody outside and within those workforces and I'm and I think you know educating women and men about what kind of things can happen what they may be feeling and then why they're making the choice they are and that bit about you know one size doesn't fit all because i think if I think back to, you know, we're not talking about maternity, but if I think back to when I was um, first pregnant, you know, and I was in my very early thirties, but I remember being told by a manager that I wouldn't come back to work. And I remember thinking, yeah, but I will. And, And he was like, no, you won't because my wife didn't. And I'm like, whoa, crikey. So that's the benchmark. So, you know, it's almost like if I haven't personally experienced this, then actually I can only see one way. So with the education being such, you know, my understanding of pregnancy is my own wife, sister, blah, blah. So my understanding of the menopause is my own mother, possibly sister, possibly wife, depending on their age. But it's that's their only understanding. And, and actually, in fairness, that was probably my only understanding, really, was what I perceived to have happened to my mum. But I didn't know anything, really. I'd never talked to her about it.
1: No. Definitely not. And like you say, it is it's a topic for everybody, all genders, because, you know, within my workplace presentations, I will have all genders and all ages. And that's amazing. And a lot of those, um, particularly the partners of those at home, are there because of that. So they might be yeah. in the workplace for a presentation to support their colleagues and so on but they are listening also because of what's going on at home that they really also don't understand so for me in the workplace also it's not just the individuals going through it what about those coming in from home who have this whole thing going on at home that no one understands and the pressure of that that they are then maybe also Absolutely. bringing into the workplace yeah. and maybe need some support, the amount of, um, you know, some men in presentations who've asked me questions at the end. So so when, you know, I said this to my wife, that maybe wasn't the best thing to have said, you know, and, and yeah. I never knew this and, you know, and I'm absolutely, you know, they're there for people who are learning this topic for so many different reasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think partners of women going through this, as you say, it's such an important learning, isn't it? And actually your colleagues, and I think we tend to think about, don't we, the intervention being you go into the organization, you educate the leaders, we cascade it down. So the managers and leaders of the people understand it. But actually the people who are most likely to be able to support other individuals are actually their peers as well, aren't they? So actually having, knowing that you can be honest and say, I just need a little bit of space. And I think the other thing with menopause symptoms is, it, you know, God, and you know this so well, is it? no one day is the same as the next so you might feel horrific today that doesn't need mean you will feel horrific tomorrow let alone next week or
1: exactly and I talk a lot about the peaks and troughs yeah Uh, I talk a lot about that how symptoms particularly for me would come for so many months symptoms I'd never experienced before then you get some respite and then bang introduced another load of symptoms that again you just didn't even know what they were and when Mm. I'm talking within the workplace I'm talking Mm. about constant reviews of this as well so maybe you know there's a small tweak that's been put in place for an individual uh, because of a particular symptom maybe she's struggling with however that's that's not that's okay for now but like you say in a few weeks time in a month six months time okay we might not need that a little bit of support any further because Absolutely. that one's gone by and you know we might be getting some some respite from it
0: one of the things that um we've talked about as well before is about you know lots of organizations now are, are, are saying you know actually we've got it covered you know we've got a policy mm. I think the tone of my voice said it all then didn't it <laughs> <laughs> my mm, say all okay, right. <laughs> yeah. But so often it's the case, isn't it? It's like, you know, no, we've got it covered. I was talking to somebody the other day. who works for a really big corporation. And they said, and I said, you know, what are you doing around this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've got that covered because we've now got a menopause policy. Mm. Okay. Is that the answer? <laughs> Not in my <laughs> book. <bit. laughs>
1: and I was only talking to someone about this yesterday as well, about um, people ticking boxes by popping a yes. policy on
0: their internet. So... They're starting to notice obviously that there's a need for something so there's a positive in there there's a need for something absolutely
1: there's a positive The this word is coming out much much more they're starting to think we need to we need to do something about this and you know i go okay fab you're realizing there's a policy okay but for me that's slightly like a bit of a tick box exercise yeah. don't get me wrong i believe there should be a policy in place but not until the understanding is there. I believe a policy needs to be put together for that individual organisation once they have addressed this through the workplace and then they have their own bespoke policy that suits their employees. So yes to policies on one hand, but putting them in place in the right way is a whole different story, I would mm. say. And I don't think anyone who necessarily is, is really struggling in the workplace with these symptoms are suddenly just going to click and look at their policy and follow a procedure. Yeah. Um, I don't. They don't really need to necessarily follow a procedure to start with. I think an open-door policy would be the best procedure of being able to have a comfortable conversation to start yeah. with.
0: I think one of the, and I know that, um, you know, in a a previous conversation that we had, we talked about this whole policy bit and about, you know, if I pluck up the courage to go to my boss and say, I'm really struggling, I don't really understand what's going on, but I'm struggling to be here all the time, to be present, to remember stuff, to whatever it might be, you know, can we just talk? can I talk to you about it and and what might help? And they say, yeah, we have got a policy on that. So the best thing you can do is talk to HR. Mm.
1: (laughs) Not the way we want it to go. So for me, this is kind of how I work it. And I've had similar questions asked of me. How how do our staff raise these issues with their line managers? How, How do they approach it? And my response to that was, let's train your line managers first. So I would never be saying to an employee, yep, go and tell your line manager, you know, off the cuff where they maybe have no understanding or knowledge how you're feeling because my concern there would be the response that they may get. It might not always be the response I would like them to get and therefore you're then dealing with a different situation within that organisation. However, you know, the work I therefore provide to avoid... That is presentations training for managers. So I always describe these as not expecting managers to be menopause experts and certainly not telling managers how to do their jobs. This is about me giving managers an understanding of what menopause is, which is what I do in every uh, training session and presentation I provide. They get to understand what it is because I give them a completely open and honest account of my own personal journey. And that's that's quite hard-hitting in times to realise, you know, how that can impact on a, a younger lady yes. as such. Yeah. So they gain that understanding about real life and work. And then we talk about, you know, the facts of the workplace and the fact that we want to keep staff there and the, and, and just give them lots and lots of information, symptoms that predominantly could impact the workplace and those individuals. And they're left with this understanding of what this topic is. They are given some confidence so that if someone were to ask to have a conversation with them, you know, they've just got this this amount of knowledge there ready to be able to listen, you know, and listening is the biggest thing here. You know, again, they don't need to be able to give all the answers, but they need to be able to help those people as much as they can do in the workplace or signpost them to where, you know, they can get extra help and yeah. so on. So that, that's a, that's a big, big part of this.
0: It's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because if I think like, if, if, if I think about the conversations I have with my friends about it, so my female friends about it, you know, and we will talk about all the nitty gritty and we will laugh and joke and take the mick out of each other And there's almost that kind of comedic value, isn't there? So I think if I think back to, you know, the the old mother-in-law jokes and the this and the that, you know, there's all that bit, isn't it? So you think there's quite a lot of banter amongst friends around this. And one of the scary things about raising it in the workplace is is for me has always been that you... Banter's a really dangerous place to be in a workplace, isn't it? Because actually the the potential for offense and all of the knock-on impacts of that is huge. And so I think when you talk about actually giving line managers the facts, so actually this is the sorts of things that can happen and, and giving them the skills to be able to listen and to be empathetic, not necessarily to jump in with the answer, because you may not want someone to tell you to go home for, <laughs> we signed off for two weeks, I might be all right tomorrow. You know, it's. I think it's interesting that you, you you say that about giving them those skills, that they can listen in the right way and not either laugh it off or run to the hills because they're really scared about, oh, my God, here comes a menopausal woman. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And do you know what? I actually look back, you know, 20 years ago and, and look at how women in my workplace were treated 20 years ago and the difference that there is now. And and I have, you know, I've really moved away from anyone thinking this is funny, uh, yeah. you know, um, yes. having lived it, having met the women in absolute desperate need because of it. This is no joke anymore. And even the comments of, oh, you're having another hot flush, are you, in the workplace aren't acceptable
0: that if I get yeah I think the quote of you're a woman of a certain age
1: yeah and you've just popped your fan on <laughs> yeah. in work and it's obvious so it's very very yeah. obvious but I think what we sometimes forget is you don't think about how that individual is already feeling okay she's already extremely aware she's having to pop her fan on while she's at work she is potentially also some of them having heart palpitations at the same time then to receive a comment maybe on an open floor or whatever
0: yeah
1: she is you know it's about appreciating how that could make someone feel, you know. And and for me, and I know you know, I raise a lot of awareness around the mental well-being connected with menopause. I really, I mean, don't get me wrong, I touch on periods and hot flushes, but I talk uh, much more about the awareness around the mental well-being side of the anxiety, the depression and suicide. So for me, this is no longer a kind of jokey topic, particularly in work. And no. actually, even out of work, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we tended to laugh it off. We tended to laugh it off. We tended to laugh about it um, as some form of coping mechanism without anyone actually saying, no, I'm struggling.
0: Do you know, and and actually, I had no idea that there was a mental and emotional side to menopause I and I look back over my own you know and I have talked a bit in the past on different blogs and stuff about some of the issues that I faced with my own mental health and actually even after talking to you that you know that the time we had a lovely long conversation and I went away thinking crikey the timing of lots of the really dark mental kind of episodes that I had I had zero understanding of where they might have come from. And I've left jobs because of those. I've made career choices because of what I deemed would kind of, I could be exposed to. And it's so important that we understand. And as you said, the anxiety, you know, from nowhere, suddenly... And, and as you say, you know, someone's got a fan on their desk, someone makes a flippant comment, laughs at you, you're already feeling like you're pretty washed up. Absolutely, you know. And you you said about you know the anxiety, the depression, and the suicide. You know who talks about suicide as a result of menopause?
1: I do a lot now. I, I didn't yeah. I honest honestly when I started this journey with this career I never thought my presentations and the majority of my work would be talking more about the mental side yeah. of this than you know the physical and it is it absolutely is and that is very very scary the amount of people I meet who say to me my mum tried to commit suicide my mum Did commit suicide, my friend committed suicide, and oh my goodness, it is heart-wrenching to hear the stories of these women. And what I'm talking about here is often it's lack of education, which as you know, Jane, is a huge part of my work. It's about educating people so that they know what to expect when it comes along. You know, you and I will both say we didn't know what we were dealing with, and maybe if we did know, I know I would have probably handled myself in my symptoms, in my lifestyle better if I'd have understood what was happening to me. You know, mm-hmm. I think so. Education is huge here. Um, women who don't have the education, don't have the support, feel completely isolated and alone yes. and feel they are suffering from some awful illness that if- they can't get diagnosed. They don't fall into necessarily the age category, maybe where GPs are looking for it either. They have got an absolute fight on their hands and that is destructive
0: in so, so many ways. And I think because education is so poor around it, we don't recognise it in ourselves. We don't recognise it in our friends or our work colleagues or, as you say, you know, partners and and that would you know uh, and I'm thinking you know we talk a lot about you know husbands don't notice it partners don't notice it you know same-sex relationships I think you know people going through it at different times you don't notice what's going on with the person you live with or relationships break down so I think you know the number of relationships that break down when people are in those kind of age but you think it is no wonder because suddenly you don't understand what's happening to you let alone your partner in understanding what's going on with your kids. And you just think, everyone is better off without me. And I guess that takes you to either people leaving their families or, you know, heartbreakingly people taking their own lives because they believe that is the only way out of where they are.
1: Absolutely. And that seems to be sort of the consequences. What we have is I see, the things I see are... Women either feeling that it's the job is the first thing they're going to give up. They're going to hold on to the relationship, the children, and, and they're going to try and keep that at home. It's the job that's going to go first. It's easier maybe to leave than the family life. Or you have the flip of that where the relationships at home have completely broken down. Again, often, because they don't know what they're dealing with. Neither person in that relationship knows what they're dealing with. They're just dealing with living with a completely different person that was there maybe a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, and that can cause then the relationship to break down or the whole family life to break down. And yeah. if it goes to the next level of that, like you say, where that individual is so lost. Yeah. I call it lost. I would describe, I used to, you know, I describe myself as feeling completely lost, completely numb and just in this existence. And you just don't know which way to turn. Yeah. So, you know, it it can have devastating effects. And and again, that is why I'm so passionate about raising awareness around this topic, you know, in the workplace and in the home to just ensure other women do not have to suffer Mm. in the way that I have seen so many women, you know, already suffer.
0: So we've talked around quite a bit around the, you know, the the absolutely no doubt that we need to increase this educational piece, increase the knowledge, give people the tools to be able to recognize what's going on with themselves, with those around them, and then kind of what we need to do about it. When in your business, um, as a consultant supporting the businesses, what is a typical sort of train of interventions if you went into an if an organization kind of says you actually we need we need to support the people that work here you know and they're, they're forward thinking enough to say we want you to come in what kind of what's a sort of typical thing that that they could expect from you
1: so what i tend to do is i tend to start with what i call my door opener it's a door opener presentation which is an informative and supportive presentation to all ages and genders this is getting the message out there so it's educational for those Mm who aren't maybe there yet it's informative, and it's also supportive to those going through it. So literally someone from every age and gender will take something away with them from from that presentation. And the feedback from that presentation generally is either or both, my colleague needs to come to this. So I always say, it's the brave ones who come to the first presentation that I do. I then repeat with all the feedback. Everyone's left, all these empowered people have left this room and said, oh my goodness, I can't believe what we've just learned today. I never knew that. I never knew that. You've described me, etc., etc." You must go to this. So we repeat with that. The second piece of feedback there is my manager needs to know about this. And that's also then when I return with a manager presentation. And then you've kind of initially covered off the employees there. Yep. What you've done, you've educated them, you've supported others, and you've kind of guided managers as well. What I tend to do from that is follow up. So either follow up with kind of repeat work for mm. uh, new starters, you know, and so on. Or we run smaller support groups. So I then run smaller support groups with the individuals who are probably experiencing it. Yeah. So for me, knowledge share, talking about it, talking about other topics related to it. So, you know, within one support session, we might do relationships, self-care, you know, diet, you know, all sorts of different things there. So there's so many other... Things that come out of these presentations yeah. that you can just lead on to to continue the support yeah it, it doesn't just end at the end of a presentation when you've no. opened up the topic it needs to follow on and as we then said we might then get to a policy so you know yeah. you've opened it up you've got your staff feedback you've trained the managers you're running smaller support groups okay let's pop this is our policy this is how it will work and you continue having these conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. And isn't that interesting? You know, because actually, the policies there last, which kind of summarizes what the organisation has done, what it's going to continue to do, and where you might go for support, and and the people that you can kind of bring bring into that. Do you do one to one work as well with with people? Yeah,
1: I do one to one coaching work with people. Um, and and as I say. Those one-to-one coaching and all my work isn't medical advice. There's probably one thing I I should mention there. I'm not medically trained and they'd always be referred to go to specialists in that field. Um, But my coaching really is about looking deep inside, giving the individuals time to speak, giving them someone to listen to them who absolutely understands it. And do you know what? How often does someone just say to you, have a session with me and I'm just going to listen to you. It's it's over to you. I'm not interrupting. I'm not saying anything. I'm going to let you get it all out. And once you've got it all out, okay, let's start working through, you know, what, what, we, can, what we can deal with. Um, so, yeah, I do some one-to-one coaching with individuals. And that just allows them to have someone, sometimes out of the workspace, out of the family unit, that gets it
0: yeah and allows them to actually start to see a future yeah they can start
1: to see clearly and they can start to think oh do you know what you know I'll talk a lot about self-care so it's a huge part of my getting myself back and you know I talk to them okay so what do you do to get some headspace well you know I knew I was right at the bottom of the pile for any form of headspace when I was at my sort of darkest points and I had to learn to find those spaces again. And you know, a lot yeah. of it is about that. It's about taking stock of you as a person yeah. and really working out what what you I used to have, what I used to enjoy. You know, yeah. what made me happy. You know, those yeah. sorts of things. And there's a lot of coaching around that, really. You know, yeah. finding those little snippets that will make the rest of the day more manageable.
0: And I think that's really important because so often you, we'll hear ourselves saying things like, oh, I actually need a holiday. But actually a holiday, you know, and yeah, I'm sure when we used to have holidays, they were lovely. <laughs> but they are, a, they are a point in time. And I think it is that you're saying, you know, it's those habitual self-care, the little bits of space. And actually I think it it, it it resonates so much with my own work where actually with any of the clients that come to me, you know, we start where we are today you know we start where we are and we start to look at what you can change and how you want to move forward so how how do you want to be who who getting back in touch with who you are as you say and finding those little things that you do every day i mean i'm one of those strange people that likes cold water but actually a swim for me and it's really important for me that it's on my own mm. and I, I mean, i swim loads and loads and loads with my friends but every day that one kind of moment where and i might only have a little dip for 5 minutes but it's a deep breath it's all encompassing and it's about me and i will and and it's interesting because i think i was only thinking back to this weekend actually where where a friend of mine was like oh i would have come with you and i was like actually i needed to go on my own it's and actually it's that space to say actually even if it is only 5 minutes this is about me it's my head it's my body <laughs> And it's this kind of reset button for the day that allows me to then, yeah, and it's tiny, but it's, and and for some people, I guess that can be cooking, painting, walking, reading, whatever, but it's carving out that bit that's just for you, isn't
1: it? It's that tiny bit that's just for you. And it's that tiny bit that when we're in a whirlwind, when we're in that hamster wheel of everything, yeah. we can't see that. We don't. We don't. We just can't see clearly to even find it again. And yeah. it's snippets like that that really, really help individuals. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think having that, and I think you know, working with you, people can put together a plan to help them when it really gets rough. Yeah. Yeah you know it brings back you know and it, and actually at the time i didn't think this had anything to do with menopause and i can't wind the clock back so i'll never kind of really know but i remember going through some quite bad anxiety which would make me wake up in the night and a therapist saying to me set things up so that if that happens in the middle of the night you know what to do so she was like you need to find something mindless but it's occupying that will just get you through and it might only be a minute. And I do silly things like maybe put a couple of Lego bricks or something on the kitchen table so I could get up, go and get a glass of water, sit down, do something, go back to bed. And actually, sometimes the habit of doing that and preparing it meant I didn't ever do it because somehow my brain went, oh, that's okay because that's safe. You've got something to do when you wake up, so you're not doing that... <gasps> And you've got something to do. And I guess it's similar in this, isn't it? Like that anxiety, that waking in the night. We lie there in bed, boiling hot, not wanting to disturb anybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, the anxiety in the middle of the night was about distracting the brain, similar to what you just said. Yeah. And, you know, and the realisation that I couldn't think about two things at the same time. So I would do something even more boring, I reckon, than going and playing with some Lego. I was reciting you know, vegetables from A to Z, in my head because it was like <laughs> what distracts me and do you know what once i've done those and fruits i actually moved on to football players names because that literally did manage to <laughs> send me back to sleep and it was about learning those simple simple tools which is what yeah. i actually and it's these tips that i actually give out in all my work and i'm just giving tips on symptoms to say right if you suffer from anxiety your brain cannot think about two things at the same time so it's distraction. And it's about continually trying to distract yourself with something so boring, you know. That you fall back to sleep. Hopefully you'll fall back to sleep. Exactly that, exactly.
0: Yeah, and and actually having those tools. And I, yeah, I just, the work that you do is, is so, so valuable. And is there any, if you were giving somebody advice, if you think back to yourself in your 30s, when this started happening, when you start to be aware of things changing and those feelings, what advice would you give to a young woman today? So let's take someone in their late 20s, early 30s. What would your advice to them be?
1: My advice, and it is actually, this is a general kind of advice that I only gave out again yesterday in a presentation to women who were even struggling with it now, was fight your own corner. I believed I knew what was happening to me, but I was struggling to get my GP to understand it. You know, and I quite rightly say I can see why they struggled to understand it, you know, 32. However, I think you know yourself. So... I knew that something wasn't right and I knew that I needed to do something and you know, and I had to literally fight my own corner. So don't give up on yourself is what I would say. Fight your own corner and do it until you believe you've got the results that you need.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I am so, it's been so brilliant. I feel really privileged that you've taken the time to be here for this conversation because I think, Hopefully it'll wake many, many people up to the importance of this. You know, over half the population will experience this directly. Um, and the other half are going to experience it indirectly, without a doubt. Um, and those kind of surrounding them. So thank you so much, and I can't wait to carry on working together. Um, to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jane. It's been an absolute pleasure. Nicola, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Your passion and knowledge around this subject are just incredible. And I think it's something that everybody should have the chance to listen to. We've talked today about the fact that this is something that affects everyone, whether that's directly or indirectly. When I kind of think about the work that you do, you know, the organizations and individuals who have a chance to work with you are incredibly lucky. But I know from what you've said today, and when we've chatted before, that you want to be able to reach as many people and as many organizations as possible to really spread the word. And I guess so that actually, we don't need a series of podcasts and webinars talking about why menopause is a business issue in the future. And we have a world where organizations have clear actions in place to support the women in their workforce and to support their colleagues and the leaders of that business when they need it. If you've been listening today and you have found the discussion interesting and you'd like to know more, and maybe have a chance to share your own experiences and ideas, then please keep a lookout for details of a webinar that Nicola and I are going to be running later this month. So it's actually going to be on the 23rd of September. Uh, Nicola and I are going to be joined in that webinar by some other menopause and business experts. So we're going to be talking about the physical and mental impact of menopause as well as the impact on uh, talent and uh, leaders within organizations and really focusing on what we can do to improve the current situation. I hope you'll join us then and if you have any questions or comments before then then please leave them or get in touch. Um, Thank you all for joining today and if you've enjoyed this podcast then there are a few other episodes um, different subjects talking to people about their experiences through leadership and behavior change um, and you can subscribe and listen through whatever your favorite podcast channel is i'd also like to thank harry williams for his brilliant production skills um, They make this podcast a reality and not just another item on my wish list. And also thanks to Martin Barnes for the podcast artwork. And I'll see you all next time. Thank you.